We sometimes refer to the season of Lent as a time for the training of our hearts, school of the heart, formation of the heart. Today's first reading reminds us that this dealing with the human heart is difficult because we don't understand it. More tortuous than all else is the human heart. Beyond remedy, who can understand it? I, the Lord alone, probe the mind and test the heart. So, the Lord knows the human heart. We don't. We get all twisted and confused and, and we get limited uh, perspectives. But the Lord understands the whole thing. That's why we spend, uh, uh, or, we, or we're right to spend time listening to the Lord, pondering what he reveals so that we can understand ourselves and the human condition better. All week, we have been reminded that the human condition in its fallen state is much worse than we are likely to admit. But we're also told again and again that God's plan for us is much greater than we can even imagine. This is something we wouldn't have gained from just simply reflecting on ourselves, but we do gain it from revelation, especially from Jesus Christ. On Sunday, we reflected on the transfiguration of Jesus, a glimpse of glory, a reminder of who Jesus is, and also a, a revelation of his plan for humanity. Our human nature is to shine like the sun. Peter, at that time, up on the mountain, said, how good it is for us to be here, how good it is. Let's stay here. In the version, in Matthew's version, which we heard on Sunday, it didn't have the line, he didn't really know what he was talking about. But some of the other Gospels say, when he said, how good it is for us to be here, let's build three tents, uh, he didn't really know what he was talking about. Well, why does Matthew leave it out? Because it is good to be there. In a sense, he's right. It's good. Of course, it's good to be in the presence of the Lord's glory. But we don't really know why it's good. And we don't understand that that's only a, a, a glimpse of, of what's really good. What's really good, the place where it's really good to be, is in the presence of God, seeing him face to face, the beatific vision. That's good. The... The transfiguration was a little glimpse of seeing the beatific vision, not really, but it was a, it was a, a hint, and that was good. But, uh, it's, but what's really good is eternal life with God, seeing God face to face. We also learned on Sunday that things are not the way they appear, that we don't really know the full reality unless, they're re unless it's revealed to us. So we shouldn't be too convinced that it's good for us to be here because maybe it's not that good. Maybe there's something else God has in mind for us. Well, all that is a good preparation for today's gospel, the famous parable of the rich man and Lazarus. We can imagine the rich man living in luxury saying how good it is for me to be here, how good it is. 
And we would have to say, sure, it's good. Plenty of good food, great clothing. He has it all. Sure, it's good. There's nothing wrong with that. We can imagine Lazarus saying, it's not very good for me to be here. I'm covered with sores, dogs licking my sores. I don't have any food. But he doesn't say that. As far as we know, we don't know what Lazarus says. But the great thing about this parable is that it reveals how different things look on the other side of death. What, how these two men end up on the other side. Now, this is a parable, so we don't have to take every detail literally, but it's a very revealing parable about the, about the contrast between how we see things here and how things really will be in the next life. And boy, is it a shocker how different things appear in the next life, how different our experience of what is good and what is not good will be in the next life. Things that we think are very good now will be meaningless to us in the next life, or maybe even bad. And things that we think are so bad in this life, we will see in the next life as great blessings for having stripped us of our attachments. It's a great perspective to have and a good Lenten lesson because here we are trying to practice prayer, fasting, almsgiving, trying to get things in order, trying to pursue the journey of conversion. If we don't realize where we're going or why we're going on this journey, we might get distracted and think it's better for us to have things here than to, than to give them up here and wait till the future. But this, this gospel parable tells us, no, <laughs> Things are not the way they seem. Let's look at how these two men live in this life. The rich man is the first one introduced. He's dressed in purple garments and fine linen, and he dined sumptuously each day. That's all we know. He's rich, great clothing, sumptuous meals every day. When we were kids, we learned that the basic needs are food, clothing, shelter. Food, clothing, shelter. Well, he's got plenty of food, he's got plenty of fine clothes, and he must have shelter because he's indoors and Lazarus is outside. I said, well, there's nothing wrong with having food, clothing, and shelter. In fact, we're supposed to have it. Those are basic human needs. It doesn't say he's a tax collector. It doesn't say he's a prostitute. It doesn't say he's a sinner. It doesn't say he's committing adultery or murder. It doesn't say anything about what he's doing wrong. It doesn't say that he got his money in an illicit way. No. In fact, if this was all we knew about him, we wouldn't know how he would end up. We know his problem when we look at him after death and realize how bad his condition really is. It looks good now, but it's really bad. And what's bad is this man has no love. We were told on Ash Wednesday, prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Does this rich man pray? Apparently not. Love of God? Apparently not. Does this man give alms? Obviously not, because the first one, if he was going to think of anybody, he would have thought of Lazarus, who was right in his face. 
So no love of God, no love of neighbor. What about fasting? Any self-denial here? He dined sumptuously every day. He had the, the best possible clothing. It seems that he has no self-denial at all. So he has no love of God, no love of neighbor, and no self-denial. This means it's just, he strikes out. Three strikes and you're out. He does everything wrong. So here he is. He has all the advantages, and he wastes them all. Even in the next life, this rich man, the more we think about him, the worse he looks. This rich man, even in the next life, has a very high view of himself. Here he is tormented in flames. And instead of saying, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. Uh, Father Abraham, please. <laughs> he says, send Lazarus to me. As if his attitude towards Lazarus is that the reason for Lazarus's existence is to serve him. You see his mentality. He, he didn't look at Lazarus in this life. In the next life, he's still looking down at him, even though he's obviously looking up at him. <laughs> From the netherworld up into the, up into the heavens, he sees Lazarus up there and he says, well, send him to me. Eh? You know, get this guy to do his job. And when he finds out that's impossible, he says, well, send him to my brothers. He treats Lazarus like his slave. And sure, this was a rich man. He sure had slaves or servants. And when he told them to do things, they did them. And he's used to having things go his way. So even in the next life, he still has that mentality. No mention of God. No mention of, of, of repentance. Uh, no mention of concern for anyone else until he speaks about his brother. So at least he's got something. <laughs> There's some concern for his brothers. But you can see how, how deep into self-love he is. How consumed with self selfishness this man is. He's a slave. He's actually in a, in a, in a, in a tormented condition even in this life. Because he can't be happy with all his food and clothing. He can't be happy because he doesn't have any love. He can't be satisfied with all that stuff. And this is the way it is. <laughs> with with uh, people who think that they can be happy in this life and think that the way to happiness is to keep filling ourselves, they're never happy. So we, we start out this parable thinking, wow, this guy's in a great condition. He's not. He's miserable, lonely, in, indulging himself because of the great emptiness in his soul. He's pathetic. Now, the, the disadvantage, he has the disadvantage of being rich. Why is it a disadvantage? Because rich people can fall into the illusion that 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 other people are there for them, that other people are supposed to serve them, that things are supposed to go their way. And it's true. Rich people can say, do this, I'll pay you to do that, you know, I tell you to do that, and it works. Poor people don't have that illusion because they can't just tell people what to do. Imagine Lazarus telling anybody to do anything. <laughs> Probably get kicked. So Lazarus doesn't have a high view of himself meaning he has an accurate view of himself. 
Now, he longs, Lazarus now, he longs to eat at least the scraps that come from the table. He, he's hungry. And his hunger for food is a right expression. He should eat. And he should have been given food if he couldn't provide for himself. He should have been treated. His, his wounds, his sores should have been treated if he couldn't treat himself. But they weren't. So Lazarus in this life doesn't have even what he had a right to have. If anyone has a right to complain, it's Lazarus. But after he dies, he has no complaints and he doesn't care about sores and he doesn't care about food scraps from the table. Now Lazarus has it made forever. Why is this such a valuable lesson to us? Because we're still on this side. We're still in this life. We might say it's good for us to be here, and it is in a relative sense. It's certainly good to be in a chapel. It's good to be at Mass. It's good to pray. It's good to receive the Eucharist. Yes, and that's really good. But it's still not the good for which we are made. It's not the good toward which we are headed. This life is a pilgrimage, not a destination. No matter how much we get or have, it's still not going to satisfy us. So it's a great revelation to us to see how we are to evaluate the things of this world. Our food, clothing, and shelter, important, but not absolute. Our love of God and love of neighbor, absolute. If we don't have love of God and love of neighbor, we have nothing. Our expression of our love for God is very often in our love for neighbor. See this in the saints. You saw it yesterday, Saint John of God, today's saint, Saint Francis of Rome. How do they express their love for God? By extraordinary service of the poorest of the poor. They are trans these saints are transformed in holiness, not on a mountain of the transfiguration. They're transformed in holiness by finding Lazarus and, and serving him. And as they serve the Lazaruses of their time, they're serving God. Emptying themselves of all self-love, of all attachment to comfort, food, clothing, shelter, even giving of, of what was legitimately their own. And then <laughs> they're prepared for the transfer to the next life. Well, it's the kind of thing that we can really ponder for a long time and, and can benefit from, from, because, as I said at the beginning, we don't understand the twisted ways of our hearts. We don't understand why we keep grasping things that are not that important and why we forget or, or neglect things that are really important. So, as we ponder the Word of God, we are put back in order, or at least put on the right, pointed in the right direction. At least now we can say, yes, I'm not, I don't have to fill myself with everything in this world. What I have to do is love, give of myself, find a way to 
to love God and love neighbor. I have to find a way. Or, or my life makes no sense at all. So we're, we're better off being Lazarus, or at least serving Lazarus, than being a rich man and ending up in torment. Let's, let's set our goal, set our sights on the goal of the beatific vision.